welcome to Relevance for Today, a show where you will be encouraged, inspired, and fed through the Word of God. You will find relevant teachings, tips, discussions, interviews, and more for both believers and even non-believers who are considering salvation through Jesus Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey folks, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Relevance for Today. And in this episode and in this series, we're going to be talking about Bible translations. And I've got a big stack of Bibles, as you can see, right here on my desk. We've got all kinds of shapes and sizes from little ones. Okay, you can see that one with the little writing that I cannot see. <laughs> all the way up to big huge ones like the one i've got in the back over here i've got one of the family holy bibles that my dad gave me and uh we've got other ones like this one okay this is a new american standard leather bound we've got some with lamb you know this one right here lamb covered amazing feels good and i'll always feel the leather for those that are listening you can hear the leather on there and uh Little ones, small ones, gold trim, no trim. Either way, if you don't read it, it's just collecting dust on the shelf. And I even like these ones right here. I don't know if you folks have ever seen the Action Bibles. Let me hold this up so you can see it. Done by comic book artists, um, Christian artists as well. And as you can see, it's the actual Bible, which makes it really fun, especially for young people. I like them. The artwork's amazing, and of course, the story is priceless. You can get them for great prices at Christian Books. And as you can see from the inside, it tells about the Bible. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And so I've got a couple of those sitting here on my desk as well. But the goal was to share with you all some different translations that'll help you as well find out which Bible is going to be good for you because at the end of the day, it has to be something that you can sit down and read and get the hang of in your own home, in your own life. It's about getting the word of God in here, up here, so you can walk it out and be who God called you to be. Amen. So we're going to do an in-depth translation study. And I'm going to basically, I did some research. I even used chat GTP to help me with my notes as far as getting the definitions of each Bible down. So I'll be going through, I'm using my teleprompter because I want to be on point and make sure I'm telling you exactly what needs to be told. And that's what it's all about. So, Hey, thanks for tuning in relevance for today. Bible series. I don't know how long the series is going to be, but I think I better get started. So as you all know, there are many different translations of the Bible, and they're available, each with its own unique characteristics and nuances. And like I said, leather, hardback, you know, small print, large print, and so many more. Some translations... <clears throat> Some translations are more literal, attempting to closely follow the wording and the structure of the original text, while others are more dynamic, attempting to translate the meaning of the text into more contemporary language. And so it is a challenge. You know, you've got one that talks with 
Elizabethan English. You got another one that fluently flows, but maybe missing a couple things in it. But the bottom line is, like I said before in my previous episode and other episodes about talking about Bibles, find the Word of God that you can get the most out of and understand. I did a test one day with a Bible study group I used to teach. And I was asking different people about which Bible you like, and different ones would say King James, different ones would say this or that. One person said, King James only. That's the only true Bible. That's the first Bible, blah, 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 blah. You know, I don't get in arguments about anything. It's not my thing. One of the things I can honestly say is I don't get in arguments with people. Hey, the Apostle Paul told Timothy it was in there about not getting into foolish arguments and things of that nature. That's the way I roll. So I'm not going to argue with you about what translation's best for you and which one stands better than the rest of them. I don't have time for that. But I know when I pick up the Word of God and I focus on the Word of God, the Holy Spirit helps guide me into understanding what I'm reading, and that's what's important. And on a side note, before we get started, speaking of that, one of the things I had said in that Bible study was I pulled out a passage, I uh, looked online and found the hardest word in the King James Bible to read and found the word, then found the chapter and the verse. And so I asked the Bible student to read that verse. When they got to that hard word, they started to read it and said, uh, I don't know what that says. And they kept going. And I said, stop right there. That's what I'm trying to point out to you about learning to pick up a Bible that you understand is because if you pick up a Bible and you don't understand the words in it, how are you going to understand what the word of God is trying to say? right? You don't skip words. You don't skip names of people and family members and the, the genealogies and so forth. You take the time to learn who it is, what the word's saying. If you don't understand it, take and pick up a Bible that will help you understand. Make sense? And another thing, I want to clear this up real quick, clarify a misunderstanding that several people or many people around the world don't realize, but there were several Bibles printed before the King James Bible. Really? Yes, there were. And here is a list of some of the notable ones. Okay. So you've got the Wycliffe Bible, also known as Wycliffe's Bible. It's the first complete translation of the Bible into English. It's named after John Wycliffe, an English theologian, philosopher, and reformer who lived in the 14th century. Interesting. John Wycliffe and his associates worked on translating the Bible from the Latin Vulgate into Middle English, the vernacular language of the time. So you, you know what I mean? It's like a history lesson too in this. It's really good to do this because we're learning about the Word of God. We're learning about how we got the Word of God in our hands in the first place, and we're learning who was out there working and getting it written because back then you're talking about writing the translation process started in the late 14th century and was completed in the early 15th century. Wycliffe's Bible was a significant milestone because it made the scriptures accessible to English-speaking people who did not have the knowledge of Latin. Wow, that's incredible, and that's a blessing. It aimed to bring the Word of God to the common people and promote the religious reform. It's important to note that the Wycliffe Bible predates the advent of printing, so copies were handcrafted and distributed. That's a lot of writing, folks. A lot of writing. What a labor of love. The translation had a significant impact and laid the foundation for future English translations. 
influencing subsequent versions of the Bible, including the Tyndale Bible and the King James Version. Wow, the Wycliffe Bible is an important historical document in the development of the English language and the English Bible tradition. It contributed to the spread of vernacular translations and had a lasting impact on the English-speaking world. Wow, that's powerful. That's impressive right there. Let's go on to another translation. And what's going to happen is this first episode, I'm going to be talking about Bibles that predated the King James. And then we'll start in the next one talking about the actual Bibles of the day that we actually use. But this is a history lesson right here, folks, because we need to know out of respect for those who came before us. The Tyndale Bible, also known as Tyndale's New Testament, is an influential English translation of the New Testament. It was the work of William Tyndale, an English scholar and theologian who lived in the 16th century. William Tyndale desired to produce an English translation of the Bible that could be read and understood by the common people. Common people, pointing to Steve Lewis, regular folks, you know what I mean? He believed in making the scripture accessible to all, even though translating the Bible into English was controversial at the time. So here's a man who stood up, stood for the word of God, got it translated so we could get into our own hands. So he helped pave the way for us to get the word of God in our homes today. And that's why sometimes you'll see at the bottom, it'll say Tyndale on some of your Bible translations on the binding. In the early 16th century, Tyndale embarked on the translation project and completed the translation of the New Testament in 1526. He used the Greek text as his source, striving to render it into clear and readable English. His translation was significant because it was the first English New Testament to be translated directly from the original Greek. Praise God. That's powerful. Thank you, sir, for what you did for us. Tinsdale's Bible faced opposition from the church and the authorities due to the translation into the vernacular and its perceived challenge to ecclesiastical authority. Tyndale's translations were condemned and he was eventually arrested, tried for heresy, and executed in 1536. And that's sad because they killed the man who helped get the Bible translated. So here they are, they executed him in 1536. And despite the challenges and persecution Tyndale faced, his translation work had a lasting impact. His translations, including the Tyndale Bible, influenced subsequent English translations, including, listen to me now, the Great Bible and the King James Version. So the man that gave his life for the Word of God ended up being credited and his work being used. His work contributed to the spread of the vernacular Bible translations and helped shape the English language and religious reform during the Protestant Reformation. Powerful. It's kind of heartbreaking reading that because you think of a man who gave of his life so we could get the Word of God in our hands. And that happens to this day in certain places where the Bible is illegal to be in certain countries. Certain countries, if you have, you're found with the Bible on you, you can face death, and that's for real. It's a serious thing, folks. The Coverdale Bible, or Coverdale. The Coverdale Bible is an early English translation of the Bible that was published in 1535. 
It is named after Miles Coverdale, an English clergyman and a scholar who was involved in its translation. The Coverdale Bible was the first complete printed Bible in English. So that's the Old Testament and the New, and also the Apocrypha. Coverdale based his translation primarily on the work of William Tyndale. There he is. Incorporating Tyndale's translations of the New Testament and portions of the Old Testament. Miles Coverdale's translation was significant because it made the Bible more accessible, here we go again, to the English-speaking population. It aimed to provide an English version of the scriptures that could be read and understood by the common people. Once again, getting the Word of God in the hands of the common people so they didn't have to just sit and listen to a priest read it to them. They could open it up for themselves, and as they're reading it, all of a sudden they start getting nuggets from the Word of God. And even back then, if they relied on the Holy Spirit for guidance, the Holy Spirit would illuminate the verses, illuminating the pages. Things start popping out at them. Same for us today, as you're reading the Word of God and you're truly getting into it and reading it, all of a sudden you find a passage of Scripture that you've read many times, and now all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's enlightened you and opened you up to a whole new meaning of that Scripture. The Coverdale Bible was printed in Europe and imported in England. It faced opposition from religious authorities who were suspicious of the translation styles and sought to maintain control over the dissemination of Scripture. So once again, it's a power grab. We don't want you getting the word out there like that. We want to make sure we're in control of the word. And so those are the things that happen, faced opposition and so forth. The Coverdale Bible had a significant influence on subsequent English Bible translations, including, once again, the Great Bible, which became the first authorized English Bible in 1539. Elements of the Coverdale translation were also incorporated into the King James Version of the Bible. While the Coverdale, I'm sorry, I keep saying it in different ways. While the Coverdale Bible may not be as well known or as widely used today as some other translations, it played a crucial role in the development of the English Bible translations and the accessibility of the scriptures to the English-speaking world. Wow. So I've got a copy of the next Bible, and this one's dated... 1599, and of course, this isn't the original. This is the original writings, but it's not in the original. It's, you know what I'm saying. This is a printed copy, in other words. Okay, so there it is right there. And as you can see, the words are small. Um, but this one is called the Geneva Bible. So when someone tells you the King James was the first Bible ever printed, Educate them, folks. Play this first half of this episode. So this is the Geneva Bible, 1599 is the, is the date on this one. The Geneva Bible is an English translation of the Bible that was first published in 1560. It was primarily produced by English Protestant scholars who were sought refuge in Geneva, Switzerland during the reign of Queen Mary I of England. The Geneva Bible was a significant translation for Protestant readers during the Elizabethan era. It became widely popular and played a crucial role in shaping English religion. Check it out. English religious and cultural history. Here are some key features of the Geneva Bible. Translation philosophy. The Geneva Bible was one of the earliest translations to be based on the original Hebrew and Greek texts. Rather than relying heavily on the Latin Vulgate, 
It aimed to provide a more accurate and reliable English translation of the Bible. Study notes and commentaries. The Geneva Bible included extensive study notes, cross-references, and explanatory commentaries. That's something. These annotations provided readers with additional insights, theological interpretations, and practical guidance for understanding and applying the scriptures. The Geneva Bible introduced various formatting innovations, such as dividing the text into numbered verses, huh? which greatly facilitated Bible study, referencing, and memorization. So remember, before, like it says, before even this Bible, there weren't paragraphs, chapter, verses, and so forth. They added that, formatting it. Dividing the text into numbered verses, which greatly, you know, then you could go in and study and say, oh yeah, Matthew 26, 13. Oh yeah, John 3, 16, right here. You know, instead of saying, in John, if you go halfway through the book, you'll find, you know what I mean? So that's interesting to find that out. Influence on English literature. The Geneva Bible had a profound influence on English literature and language. Its distinctive linguistic style and phraseology, along with its use of poetic language, influenced subsequent literary works, including the works of William Shakespeare. Can you imagine that? William Shakespeare was influenced by the Geneva Bible. That's powerful. Protestant Reformation Perspective The Geneva Bible was produced by scholars who held Protestant beliefs and had a particular theological perspective. It reflected their interpretation and understanding of the scripture, including the emphasis on individual conscience, the role of government, and the church's relationship with the state. The Geneva Bible popularity began to wane in the early 17th century with the publication of the King James Version in 1611. However, it still holds historical literary significance as it was one of the most widely read and influential English translations during the 16th century. So, hey, the Geneva Bible, that's awesome. Good stuff. And I've got a copy. And if you want a copy, you can head over to Christian Books and you might be able to find them there or just search for it on Google. The Bishop's Bible. The Bishop's Bible is an English translation of the Bible that was published in 1568. It was authorized by Queen Elizabeth I of England and aimed to be an official translation for the Church of England. Here are some key features of the Bishop's Bible. Revision of previous translations. So the Bishop's Bible was intended as a revision and an improvement of previous English translations, particularly the Great Bible and the Geneva Bible. It sought to address perceived weaknesses and inaccuracies in those translations. It was influenced by the ecclesiastical hierarchy and sought to maintain a balance between the traditional liturgical language of the church and the desire for linguistic clarity and accuracy. So now they're trying to hone in and make this thing a little better so you don't need a translator to help you break down English words. You know what I mean? It was a big deal back then. And remember, if... William Shakespeare's learning from the Geneva Bible, and this is coming off the Geneva Bible, as well as the Great Bible, and it's bringing things together and changing things around, there's going to be some language barriers in there. So retention of ecclesiastical terminology. The translation retained certain ecclesiastical terminology and maintained a, con a conservative approach in some theological and doctrinal aspects. 
ensuring alignment with the teachings and practices of the Church of England. Widespread usage. The Bishop's Bible gained significant usage within the Church of England and became the official authorized version of the Bible for public worship. It was used in churches and continued to be used until the King James Version was published. Influence on the King James Bible. The Bishop's Bible served as one of the sources consulted during the translation process of the King James Version. While the KJV, King James, ultimately superseded the Bishop's Bible in term of popularity and widespread usage, the influence of the Bishop's Bible can be seen in certain passages and in linguistic choices in the King James Version. The Bishop's Bible contributed to the development of English Bible translations and played a traditional and transitional role between earlier transitions of the subsequent King James Version. It focused on ecclesiastical authority and its status as the authorized version for the Church of England marked its significance in the religious and cultural history of England. So a little deep and some big words in there and ecclesiastical and all these different things. But the bottom line is these Bibles were out before the King James was. Okay. So when someone says it's the only one and it's the first one, just remember know the history, learn the history, because the more you can learn about the word of God, the more you can grow. And it's nice to know. I mean, hey, this is the word of God, right? The word of God, men were inspired to write what God gave them to write, what they were taught to write through the Holy Spirit and so forth. We need to learn about it. We need to take the time each day and even read the word of God, right? Take the time out, it's the word of God, the word of the creator of the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, including us. And so these are just a few examples of English Bible translations that preceded the King James Version. Each translation played a role in the development and evolution of the English Bible, and their influence can still be seen in subsequent translations, including the King James Bible. Isn't that powerful, folks? So I want to stop right there with the translations and so forth. And I want you to know how excited I am to do this because I've been thinking about doing it for a long time, but it's a lot of work getting the notes together and so forth. But like I said, I used chat GTP and was able to go in and get the notes that I needed to give you guys a great synopsis off of every single Bible translation that the popular ones anyway. We're not going to do it on 50 different translations, but we're going to do it on some of the main ones. So I'm excited about that. I look forward to hearing from you folks. I look forward to finding out some questions so I can give you some answers if I have them. If I don't, we'll just have to get on Google. <laughs> or, of course, getting the Word of God. But the bottom line is, it's all about learning the history. It's all about learning about the Word of God. And it's all about getting into the Word of God and being comfortable to be able to read the Word of God. So with that being said, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for being able to share today about the translations that came out before the King James. My prayer is that my listeners and watchers will be blessed with what they've learned today. I know I'm blessed with what I've learned. My eyes have been open to some neat things. So I thank you so much for all the men that you put in place to write your word and even the testimonies and stories of women as well in the word of God. I thank you so much for all you've done for us. I thank you so much for the men that you put in place like William Tinsdale, 
so that we'll be able to get a copy of a Bible and have it in our home to be able to read your word. And I thank you for that. As you watch over all my watchers and listeners out there, please protect them and keep them safe, Lord. And I thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, there you have it, folks. Thanks for tuning into that episode. Truly appreciate you being on. It's a blessing to have you listening and watching. Please do me a favor. Share it with friends and family. Share the show. Let people know about it. Share it on your page, on your social media. I'd love that if you could do that for me. Let people know about Relevance for Today podcast show, as well as Spiritual Spotlight podcast show. And of course, KingdomCommunity.tv, where my TV show airs every week. And it airs, I've got a 24-7 live feed as well that airs 24-7. 365 days a year. <laughs> hey, so with that being said, love you all. Take care of yourselves. Thanks for tuning in as always. Have a blessed day. Take care of yourselves. Love you. Peace. Peace.